Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 43, coming to you live from Croatia. If you're watching this on video, I'm pivoting my monitor so you can see the ridiculous view outside. Chris, Dobardan, which I think is how you say good afternoon in Croatian, <laughs> but I'm not confident. Yeah, yeah. Good morning from the States. <laughs> um, yeah, I I almost booked a ticket, and then I saw the stuff on on Twitter, and I was like, ah, I should have booked a ticket. But ho hopefully you had a good time. Well, you got the microconf that I wanted to go to. You got one that was probably a, a four-hour drive from where I live in Austin. Uh, so I, th I think we're, we're both envious of the microconf the other person got to go to. Uh, how was microconf Austin local? I, I have yet to go one to one of these local events. Uh, for, for background, uh, this, I think, is Rob's take on replacing the starter edition of microconf instead of having a huge conference in one central location uh they're looking at having smaller ones that are more local and so that that sort of fits better with the the microconf starter ethos makes it easier for people to go to and it's a shorter conference and the idea is you, you don't have to drive as much uh, i'm so curious what your experience of that was yeah it was super, super interesting. Um, and yeah, it's supposed to be kind of a replacement for starter. Um, although it was very interesting about, I mean, probably ha more than half the people had already started and already had significant businesses, I would say. Mm. Um, the big difference though is like so something like 80% of the people hadn't been to a microconf before, like 80 mm. or 90%. So it was like mostly people new to the conference, you know, had listened to starters for the rest of us or something like that, but new to the to a conference, um, but already had businesses. So, and Rob even said something about that. So Austin was the last of the three that they did. And uh, so Rob basically said like, you know, it's it's kind of a different turnout than they expected, you know, in a good way. But um, so they're trying to get feedback and try to figure out what to do for next time. Um, like, is it actually a good replacement for starter or not? Mm. Um, but yeah, it was really neat. It was probably about 50 people. So it was pretty small, um, but had a lot of great conversations as, with all microconfs. Um, it was only one day, not two days. And uh, yeah, it was generally very, very, it still gave me the same vibe as a microconf, so that was good. 50 people is definitely small for the main conference in Vegas. I think that's close to a thousand people. Microconf Europe, which I have some hot takes from, I'd, I'd love to go through, uh, I think was only 80 people. I think they said it was the smallest, like big official microconf that has ever happened, even uh, smaller than the, the very first one. Very interesting, very like much more intimate. I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to tease apart what the the vibe difference was between this and other microcomps I've been to, but it, it was like it was more chill or more relaxed or like uh, some, I don't know if this was just the way that I was coming to the conference that, that I felt more chill and maybe less hungry and, and more comfortable and confident in, in what I'm doing or if it was the setting that, <laughs> talking about your business problems and the setting of this these beautiful cliffs where the stone for the white house was uh quarried and there's just beautiful fish and uh mussels jumping out of the water and directly onto your plate at a restaurant or uh these just gorgeous sunsets or if this is more of a european ethos that like in the states people are put work as a much higher priority and sort of like value themselves holistically much more of work but there was a very different vibe I, I i'm still not sure where it came from and i'm still i'm still not quite sure where to uh to attribute what the difference in vibe was and it, it may have merely been 
the the difference in the number of people. Uh, what did did you notice anything for the size of the conference? It sounds like the the attendees were a, a rough sample of the sort of people that would usually go to Vegas. Was, did you feel like there was a different vibe? Um, I mean, it, it did feel smaller. Like I felt like I talked to almost everybody, so that was kind of neat. Uh, I think since it was only one day, like it felt like a you know a, a quarter chunk of the you know main auditorium in Vegas. So it was like it didn't feel that much different because because it was shorter. I think so. Like in terms of like talking to people and stuff, I you know it felt very similar. Um, yeah, it was it was just super nice to get around people again though. Like it it does so much for your like mental health to like yeah. feel normal again um so yeah it was yeah consistently something that i've felt and something that i keep hearing from people in this business is that you know bootstrapping is great having your own business is great you can set your own schedule you can just make absurd amounts of money without having to report to anyone very it, it can be very low stress depending on uh, what what you choose to make it the consistent downside is this feeling of isolation that if you're running a business by yourself you don't have a boss to complain to and you don't have a team to uh, go through difficult situations with. So I, I really feel like this is the community of people who get it, who who understand, like, you know, th these are the people who you can complain about minor inconveniences to when you're making, you know, $50,000 a month. Whereas anyone else you go to off the street would be like, you're making how much? And you're complaining that a, a customer was mean <laughs> to you over email? Like... Who cares? I would I would trade anything to be in your position. But like no, there there are hardships in anything that you're doing and struggles and you know a part of being human I think is continuing to to try to deal with those. So yeah, it's it's nice to be around those people. Um, I would love your hot takes. I, consistently, I think both of us leave microconf with some sort of a, a big takeaway. Uh, I have one that I'd love to dive into, but I'm, I'm very curious about yours first. What 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 was the takeaway that you left? Did you feel renewed motivation to, you know, start SEO or something? What, what was your takeaway? <laughs> yeah. So I, so I wrote down some, um, and I, I mean, I wrote down a bunch of notes, but, uh, yeah, some of the big ones are, well, the main takeaway is like, I remembered why I got into products and, um, like, I still want to keep doing my masters, but I also want to, you know, refocus like COVID basically, totally, you know, upended what I was focused on. And so I want to get back to focusing on products. Um, that, that is what feels good to me. Um, some of the takeaways I have were, uh, you have to focus cause it takes a long time. Um, that was said more than once, like, um, and so like me doing 30 different projects probably isn't, you know, healthy or long-term sustainable. Uh, yeah. Um, then, uh, build less and sell more was something repeated. Um, and, you know, that is something that we have to be reminded of as developers. Mm. And then f from a customer standpoint, um, it was map your ideal customer journey and then find your gaps. And that's how you can, you know, sort of close your, close your funnel. So find your gaps. And, uh, yeah. So those were some of the big takeaways I had. I can keep going, but, uh, yeah, I think generally I want to get back to working on products. Um, cause that's, you know what makes what feels good so uh yeah i'd love to dig into each of those what what inspired you to be refocusing on products what's the what's the feeling behind that uh, that's a good question um i it's it's like i don't so i don't want a full-time job <laughs> and so i need 
uh, money coming in that isn't a full-time job. And uh, I, you know, and so the, and then the things that I feel when working on products, are that's the way I want to feel, you know? And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. Cool. As a, as a, sounds like uh, income is the, is the primary motivation that this is a, an enjoyable way of making money, just not having a full-time job. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, pr I mean, probably. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's fair. You can make stupid amounts of money doing this. Uh, the downside is, like you said, you have to focus. And like, my God, I feel like this is a, a perpetual struggle of mine. This is, I'm, I'm going to come back to, to uh, points that I want to dig more in. But focusing was also something that came up for me at MicroConf Europe. There was a, the very last keynote talk of the, of the conference just rattled me. Uh, it was by the founder of V.io, Saba, who gave this presentation talking about how he started off in like a regular job and was doing all sorts of creative projects and music and was very fragmented and just working on all kinds of different things and like doing stuff in the crypto space. And like, it sounded like he was, he was describing me, uh, what I've been doing for the last seven-ish years. <laughs> and then he was like, uh, you know, I, I decided one day to just focus and double down on this one thing because it seemed to be working. It seemed to be getting some traction. And then went on to describe this ridiculous trajectory of raising revenue uh, from nothing to, no joke, $6 million of ARR in two years. And I'm just looking at this graph, too, thinking like, what am I doing? <laughs> What have I been doing for the last two years? And I think some of that is that he, he got picked up in uh, a, a market that uh, is trending upward. This this trend of being able to edit video uh, with a web app. Um, but a, a big part of it was like he just chose to focus on one project and then one aspect of that project, which is just growth. He was just like, you know, every day I woke up and thought, what's the thing that I can do to grow this thing? And I had a conversation with him afterwards where uh, someone was suggesting to him like a, a feature he could add. And he was like, you know, if if my team gets together and decides that that would grow the project, like, yeah, I would bang that out in a week. And I don't see a way that that would grow the product. So, no, I'm not going to do it. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, how, right. how clear <laughs> a, a way to make decisions uh, and Clearly, it's working. Clearly, the strategy of only focusing on growth, like it's leading to grow the product incredibly quickly. Uh, the downside of that, though, is like, I really enjoy creative freedom. And I think you do, too. Like being able to play with GPT-3 and being yeah. able to play with uh, uh, how to do GPU programming. And uh, I could sort of make the argument that getting a master's is kind of a, a distraction from uh, product. I could see how you could justify swinging that back into uh, it's it's really fun. I like learning things. I like I like doing a bunch of different things. Uh, it, it feels much more balanced. Um, how how have you conceptualized that? Because I I have also felt this renewed pressure to to be focusing on fewer things, and I think objectively, I would be much more financially successful. Um, and I every time consistently when I try to do this, I, I rebel against myself after a, a couple of weeks. Uh, what, what's your higher level uh, uh perspective on how you're saying this yeah so my current thought is like i have several things which could be products several things which are making money um 
and I think it's for me anyway it's I think it's sort of unhealthy to have multiple a lot of things that can be making money because I don't know what to focus on and so I jump between mm. them and then I just lose all like I can't push any of them forward with the masters um, it is very specifically not to make money it is just to learn and it's also the schedule is set and so what I'm seeing now is like I can have the masters and something to make money running side by side at least I feel like it you know check back in several months but <laughs> I feel like I get and, and I can compartmentalize those so um, I'll be able to like separate my time you know equally between them or evenly at least so basically I have my product focus whatever I figure that out to be and then my you know learning focus which is the masters right now um, so that's kind of how I'm conceptualizing it and I think I came to the same conclusion that you did which is like I'm just doing whatever I feel like which is sort of working right mm. but it's not it's not really getting me you know at least monetarily where I want to be like it I'm covering expenses sort of um, and you know if I had some control uh, consulting in there as well but mm. um, covering expenses is not why I got into the game so I yeah and so I'm rethinking about how I think about products how I think about my time because of the learning and the you know like separating learning from um, one thing that makes money mm. and um, yeah so I'm still I'm still wrapping my head around what that looks like but that's how I'm thinking about it once again uh, we, we've synced up in like our motivation of what we're what we're thinking about uh, in, in motivation we started this podcast I remember as sort of being each other's boss and holding each other accountable and the way that I see this going like yes I feel this motivation for uh, refocusing on products but I can see myself just getting distracted in another two weeks and forgetting that this is a thing that was important uh, what what are we gonna do about that how how could you solve this problem for me and then I'll just I'll use the same tactic for you I so I think what I would like is to be consistently it, it, I don't want it to be like I don't want to say something outrageous like I, I want to spend eight hours a day on focusing only on growth for file inbox um, but I do want to be more consistent and more scheduled in the work that I'm putting forward. And like, I have a lot of plans of things that I can do and I, I got a lot more strategies from this microconf. Um, what what would you recommend for me? How, how can you help me to, to stick to a schedule that's gonna be consistently pushing this forward um, that is not something that I'll be rebelling against and then just become fragmented in another two weeks and want to work on a dozen different things again. Yeah. So that's an interesting question because I have done this kind of thing in the past too. And I'm like, I'm going to focus. And then two weeks later, I'm not focused. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and not only that, I, yeah, I rebel against, you know, whatever structure I put in place in order to focus. Um, I don't have a good answer other than like we, yeah, we can hold each other accountable. Um, like, like up and up until now, at the at the very beginning, I think we started we, by sort of trying to hold each other accountable a little, and it's sort of fallen into uh, just you know, not doing that. So we we could do more of that. You know, I could uh, I could berate you if you don't spend a certain amount of time or energy or something on uh, on it. Um, I I don't know if that would work super well either. Um, I don't. I do think, I think very the well thing that focused me berated. most of all is yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, the, the thing I would say focuses me more than anything is seeing results. And mm. so, uh, perhaps something like, you know, don't focus on 
uh, I, I don't know. I, I have to think about this, but don't, you know, maybe focus on you know writing down and recording results that you see from actions that you take. So just mm-hmm. being more intentional about you know making sure you understand that yes, spending four hours this day was a little painful, but that got me you know two new customers, and so it was totally worth it. Um, and maybe doing more po- postmortems that are like results oriented. Uh, that might that might be helpful. There's a lot of research about how to motivate yourself and how to focus. Um, a lot of it doesn't work for me. And so I, I don't have a good answer. Um, hmm. Yeah. I like the idea of results-oriented postmortems. I, I feel like I've gotten really discouraged in the past of I would try a project and I, I would expand my comfort zone a little bit and, and spend a little bit more money than I was comfortable with doing something like audience ops, hiring them to, to write uh, articles that would hopefully improve SEO. And consistently what happens is I get excited about this project. I hear about it from MicroConf or something else. And then I try it. And then I sort of forget about it. And then I look back and think, oh, this is just a waste of time and or money. I'm going to stop doing this. And then I feel dejected and like the whole thing was a waste of time. So I like the idea of a postmortem because like, at the very least, the thing that I'll have at the end of this project is, oh, here's, you know, my hypothesis was if I have more articles, then I'll get more SEO rating and like this is what success would look like. Uh, and if I succeed, then I'll double down on this and, and do more of it. So at the very least, I'm getting that report of like, here's the experiment, here's what I tried, here's what I thought would happen, here's what actually happened. Uh, I'm not going to do it again. And now I'll have a record of, you know, look, I, I tried these 12 different things this last year and they didn't work for this reason. And then that's the thing that I can go back and revisit of like, oh, actually it didn't work because, you know, reading back in this report, I didn't do, I, I didn't follow the actual procedure of what people were recommending I do with SEO. Um, yeah, I, I like that. Um, I think I think my my first project in that is going to be for file inbox, making a uh, making an app for a, uh, a an app store app, like for something like the Squarespace app store or like the WordPress app store. Because my hypothesis is that's another form of SEO that people are searching for apps that do a specific thing in those app stores, and for very low effort, and I'll be able to track in this postmortem exactly how much time I spend on it. I'm, I'm thinking it won't take more than I don't know, five hours, um, that I'll be able to get a app in an app store that people can search for that, that's showing up in those results. And then that's going to be a source of uh, uh, traffic that's like, I don't know what success would be. I, I don't know if, if I got like, if I got one new customer a week from that, I, I feel like that would be a, a, a worthwhile project for a, a five hour investment. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Oh gosh, there's a B. Okay, it's gone. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that that's great. Um, so one of the takeaways that I didn't mention was from at MicroConf Austin was Dr. Sherry Walling, uh, and she basically said, "Be intentional." Like that was the key. Um, and so yes, I think intentionally before you start a project, yeah, what what are you going to do? By when? What does success look like? What does failure look like? And then on that date, you know, set yourself like a calendar reminder on that date you fill in those the things you know did i do it what happened was it successful or was it failure based on my you know 
previous definitions of success and failure because they will change throughout the project. And I think that's what I do. Like I can rationalize my decisions and stuff like that. But if I look back, you know, say two weeks ago, I said it'd be successful if it did this. Did it do that or not? Mm. I said it'd be a failure if it did this. Did it do that or not? And then next time I can use the things I learned to change my definitions of success and failure. But um, yeah, I think that's great. And that doesn't like particularly for you and me, that doesn't like specify that we have to spend a certain number of hours or anything like that. It's just, mm. I said I was going to do this thing by the state. Did I do it? What happened? Yep. 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 This feels very tractable. And I, I'm also sort of getting excited about the, the format of what these postmortems could look like. I'm imagining a template that then goes on a blog and I like a separate product blog section of file inbox yep. or something. And then I can tweet those out and be like, my experiment for the last two weeks was this, and here's what I tried, and here's what the result was. And then I'm, oh, that's perfect then to send out to my uh, advisor list and be like, this is the last experiment that I did, and uh, it didn't work because of this, and here's my upcoming one. Because that's that's the sort of thing that I can imagine people responding to and being like, oh, this didn't work because you're dumb. <laughs> you try to do it this way, and actually you missed the most important part. Um, so okay, I'll, I'll redo that experiment uh, in the in the next block. I'm really liking this. This feels like it closes a loop that I've been struggling with. Um, okay, cool. So so uh, flipping that around, what what is the first experiment that you'd like to run in growing products? Are, are we focused on uh, meeting place? What what is the growth that you'd like to see? Yeah. So good question. Uh, I either am going to focus on re, you know, double down, focus on meeting place, mm -hmm. um, or do something new. And that's my, my big choice. Uh, I have what I think is a fairly good idea about something new. Um, but I don't know if I just like it because it's brand new and I'm mm -hmm. thinking about it, you know, right now, uh, or if it's an actually a good idea. Um, so we could, uh, let's see how much time do we have? I could get your hot take if you want on a new idea, uh, and then compare that to meeting place. If you, I would love to give a hot take. I'm I'm in the mood for a hot take. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Um, so first, I'll talk just a second about meeting place and why it may not be a great double down uh, option. Which is, it is a very difficult. I've, we've talked about this before, but I've just been reaffirmed. It's very difficult to grow, especially as a one person company. Um, it requires a lot more customers than most B two B SaaSes, and so a lot of my difficulties are. Um, it's very tricky to grow as a one-person company. Even if I up the price and compare it to something like Circle, uh, still still hard to grow as a one-person company. So, uh, and, and that's mo most of my ideas fall into that bucket in some way. So, I went all the way over to a B two B, the B two B side, and at MicroConf Austin, one of the things that I was thinking about a lot was this. So I talked to Jesse Anderson again. Remember about like a a writing kind of buddy, right? An AI powered writing buddy. But the thing that kept coming up when I talked to people about it was like, writers don't have a lot of money <laughs> uh, and there's not that many of them. Um, and I think that's true, mm -hmm. but you know who does have money and who there's a ton of, uh, any company with a blog, mm. right? So the idea would be something like an AI powered, uh, not a writer for like blogs, marketing stuff, but a little like what you were talking about actually, which is uh, I can analyze your blog for keywords based on, you know, what I know about the keyword of your topic mm -hmm. and then suggest, you know, titles for blog posts, titles with either abstracts or bullets that you should write in order to cover the gaps in your SEO, right? Mm -hmm. So 
the idea is you know you have this tool it tells you what you should write uh, and then you have to go write it uh, turns out ai is not great at writing especially stuff like blog posts right now um, but so, so that's the kernel of the idea there are lots of uh, tendrils that come off of that that I could do like for example then after that I could suggest tweets that you should tweet out for your blog mm. post to promote it or Instagram or Facebook messages I could uh, suggest so if we think about the Jordan gal you know like free content and drive ads to it mm -hmm. um, you know you should write these five blog posts and you should drive these ads to it on this schedule um, so that's something I could do so there are a lot of little things I could do but the general idea is uh, an a yeah an AI backed content uh suggestion tool i guess what's your hot take uh that would be so much fun to make and that's so in line with like the your your interests uh in the moment i'm gonna come back to that for a second because i want to push back on uh something you said for meeting place you said uh it, it's difficult to grow as a one-person company uh and that it's a lot more work than most b2b SaaS's. uh what what would that work look like so if you applied to YC and got funding and they were like, here's, you know, a million dollars that you can spend to grow this. You, you have the resources to be able to do this now. What might that work look like that you can't do right now? Yeah. So the problem with meeting place is a couple fold. One is the way I have it set up now, it is low that people expect to pay a low amount per group per month. Mm. Um, and for that, because it's anchored by meetups price. And for that low price, like a successful group might have a thousand or two thousand people in it, which is a thousand or two thousand people hitting your support. Um, like I have free groups where you know nearly every one of the fifty people has asked me for a password reset, even though there's a button right there to do password mm -hmm. reset. Um, so stuff like that. So high support, right, for a low monthly fee. Um, I could switch to something like Circle. So Circle so I think is it, or circle.co is the it's probably the best iteration of like a more community focused type of thing that I know of um, you have similar problem there successful groups um, are are very large since you have a large support load although they have much higher price point which is nice but the the downside is like circles right there and circles probably the product I would build and so and they have a big team right and they're so they're gonna be able to move faster than me at least for a while um, so like, I have no thesis about why whatever I build would be better than Circle. Um, so those those are the the things that I'm feeling right now about Meeting Place. Cool. Uh, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep pushing on this for a little bit because I want to. If if we are moving away from Meeting Place, I want to be like definitive. We've we've exhausted uh, everything to to try with this. Um, you said that the, the, what I'm hearing is that the main thing that you feel like you can't do right now is that you don't have the resources to uh, be offering support, that it's a, a too high of a support load to deal with as a single person, uh, and that you're getting all these emails of password resets when the, the password reset button is right there. That's what I'm hearing is the, the core thing that you don't feel like you can do on your own. Is that right? So... Support, yes, but not not just that. It's the, the low price point with the, like, there's no expansion revenue opportunities. Um, there's no, you know, th there is super low churn, which is nice. Like, once groups are on there, they almost don't churn at all um, because you have your entire group going to that page, right? So that's nice. But, like, I, I would need so many groups, especially at the price point it is now. I would need, well, like, 
800 groups or something, which is paying groups, which is crazy. Like that's, that's super high for, um, I mean, there's a reason that B2B SaaS is a lot easier to, to get to high numbers quickly, um, because the price points are just higher. Okay. Um, so in addition to the high support, uh, there's no expansion revenue, uh, you feel like there's a very low price and there's not an opportunity to, to charge those people more. And because of that low price, it needs to be very big. You need to have 800 paying groups to make this a viable product. Um, it sounds like those are the three reasons that you feel like this is not a company that you can grow on your own. Is that right? Yeah. Well, and cool. it's not that I couldn't do it. I'm sure I could do it. It will just be slower than any B2B SaaS that I come up with. Okay. It, it does have some nice things. I mean, the reason I started it is, you know, like, like it does have nice things about it, but, um, yeah, those, those seem like very limiting, limiting growth factors. Yeah. yeah. I want to address those one at a time. The high support loads, this is something that I've been trying to push myself to do that I still haven't done. There's a site called Support Shepherd where you can just develop SOPs for every type of support email that you get. And, uh, you hire someone in the Philippines to fields that they are the first wave defense against any support ticket. And so anytime anyone asks a question that's ever been asked before, they have an SOP of like, oh, this is a password reset. Let me copy the password reset template and paste it in. And I'm a human, so I can, you know, be a little bit personal. And if there's a weird situation in this, I can, I can deal with that. So you're only seeing novel cases. You are only seeing things that make it past that first line of defense. And that's surprisingly affordable to hire a person for something like 20 or 30 hours a week, I think is 500 US dollars. Like it's stupid. It's, it doesn't make sense that you can hire a human person for, for that little. Uh, and then in the Philippines, the, the working hours uh, overlap pretty well. Uh, and, and you know, they're, they're getting a much better experience. This is something that I need to do for file inbox that I haven't done yet that I think is a solution to that first problem. How, how does that feel? So, yeah, that feels good, except the low price point means that I would need, uh, I mean, my price point is like $10, $15 per group per, per month. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm only, you know, I'm making what, two or $300 a month right now. So I would need to 10x my business before I could even pay for the cost of Support Shepherd. So that doesn't feel good at all, right? Yeah, that does feel gross. Uh, you, you could look at that as a, biz, as a business investment if you wanted to do that now, like if, if I was approaching this yeah. with the mindset of, uh, you know, Jordan Gall, the way the, the way Jordan Gall would approach this business, or uh, the way that Saba would approach this business, is like, oh, th this is a problem. This supports to I, great. Uh, <laughs> oh man, one of the things in Saba's talks was he, in in trying to start Veed, he consolidated all of his assets to to be able to pay developers. Like he sold whatever stocks he had, and he sold Bitcoin in 2014 which he just looked so torn up about because uh, if he just held on to that, like <laughs> that would have been worth so much more. Uh, but he just went all in. He was like, yeah, this is the direction I want to go and you know, was able to focus uh, to that. So yes, I agree that the low uh, price per user, the, the uh, was that the ARPU average revenue? Yeah, ARPU uh, is low. Um, 
but I think that's I think that's a separate issue from support. I think support is like you don't want to be spending your time with support. I agree with you. I think Jordan Gall would agree with you. Uh, I think Saba would agree with you. I think the way to solve that is make SOPs, hire a person for four hundred dollars a month. Look at that as a business investment, and now you're not. Uh, you you can move on to other things. You can move on to where your time is more valuable. Um, so I'd like to I'd like to tack on the next thing, which is uh, the the low price point needing eight hundred paying groups. This feels like the core problem. Uh, and and I, I see this sort of wrapped up in that you feel like you don't really have a competitive advantage with Circle. Um, I feel like if you could figure out this one point, I feel like if you could if you could identify who the person is who needs something slightly different from Circle, who's willing to pay more, that that would that would solve this viability as a business. Um, and I don't know enough about your audience to know who that is, but it seems like a method of finding them might be um, talking to customers. <laughs> just the generic <laughs> solution that <laughs> fixes everything. Uh, but but yeah, yeah. how how do you do that? I think it, like you definitely want to be talking to people who are currently paying you and really understand who's currently paying you money and why they're paying you money. It would be great if you could figure out who on Circle uh, is not happy with Circle, uh, especially those people who want something bigger. I think we had talked before about if you specialize in people who host uh, virtual events, if you made this sort of like a conference platform, or if you focus on uh, technical audiences, if this was like a, for technical meetups, that then you could you could integrate like sponsorships from uh, GitHub or something. You you, you have an advantage that Circle doesn't of you can pick a niche, you can pick the most valuable niche and, and hunt for the people who are willing to pay $50 a month for this. Um, find the people who who can do expansion revenue. Um, I, I don't I don't have as good of a formulated plan of exactly how to solve that yet, but does, does any of that resonate with you of like who might be people who would value this sort of thing more? Yeah, so I've already done some of that work. I probably, it's probably, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's probably worth doing more of that work. Um, but the thing I sort of didn't mention was it's not just that I see Circle is pretty good and I, you know, don't know how it'd be different. It's that Meeting Place is now more, right now, more like Meetup. And to make it more like Circle is basically reinventing a huge chunk of what it is. It is. Um, and so it's base, it's, it's very similar to doing a whole other product. Um, like basically all the ways. And so I know why some people are, don't like circle, but to fix the things they don't like about that is essentially a whole other product. Like, yes, I could reuse some of the same things, some of the same ideas, but it's a different product than what meeting places right now. And would be a lot of work. Um, so if I'm going to do all that work anyway, you know, should I focus on that? Right. Or because just because it's the same as what I've, or the same, a similar feel to what I've done at Meeting Place, or mm. you know, should I do something where I think there's you know, uh, a lot more room for for revenue? Okay, okay. And and while you're starting over anyway, you might as well reevaluate like what actually makes the most sense and uh, serve it then. Like, it sounds like the overlap between Meeting Place and Circle. If if you were moving in that direction, you'd effectively be writing a new app. And so this is a good time to, to stop and take a break and think like, okay, wait, if I'm going to write a new app anyway, let me let me see if I want to move in a completely different direction. Is that right? Yeah. And so there's a third option, which I didn't really talk about, which is um, meeting place. There are a few features I know that people would pay a little bit more for. 
So what I could do is, so what I could do is drop the free plan that is causing me a lot of pain right now. And I thought I needed it, but I should just drop it. Raise the price a little bit, basically, so it matches Meetup. Meetup is like I think it's like eighteen dollars a month or something, or twenty nine if you do the pro plan or whatever. Um, so raise the price a little bit, and then sort of run it on autopilot, like. Meeting place the way it is right now, if I drop the free users, would basically run on autopilot, pay for itself, plus a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so fix all those things and then do something new. Um, so that's something I've been thinking about also. If I'm in focus mode, I think the direction I would nudge you in is push this forward as much as you can until you're satisfied. You can't do anything else with it. Like, you know definitively this this is not a thing that you can push forward. You know exactly why you can't. Uh, you know, the, the next stage would involve raising VC money because you need VC money to be doing Facebook ads and the, the scale of Facebook ads you would need to be doing to make this viable just doesn't make this make sense as a product. Like, the, the thing I would be hunting for is this definitely doesn't work and here's exactly why it doesn't work. Um, and until then, I would try to make it work. I, I would try to figure out a, a way to do that's from the focus lens, like trying to apply that in my own life. I hate it because I'm, I really enjoy maximizing for like <laughs> enjoyable work. Uh, and that would be hard. That's something I really admire in people like Saba who are just single-mindedly focused on like, let me grow this thing as, as big as possible. Um, not really caring that, you know, I, I don't know whether or not he enjoys answering Quora posts, uh, but that's the thing that he identified was like, a thing that really meaningfully uh, moved the business forward. So that's that's where I'm trying to nudge myself, and, and in this example, uh, trying to nudge you. How do, do you feel like you could get to that place of feeling confident that there that, that like you knew the next step of what it would take to grow a meeting place if you are going in this uh, direction of just competing in the in the meetup space? Um, and that you know definitively, like, that's not a step that I want to take and I can table this project. Yeah, I mean, I think I could get there. I think I'm... Yeah, I'm, so I'm trying to think about what that would look like and how that would be different than what I'm already feeling. Because, um, like, I know, you know... Hmm. I'll have to think about that. I'll come back to you. I'm thinking about a similar thing for file inbox, so I, I will also get back to you on that. Uh, okay, so <laughs> that's, as, I think that's that's as far as I can push meeting place uh, on this new idea, uh, an AI powered writing buddy. This is so cool and like very trendy. And you know, if you if you made this and posted it on, uh, uh, oh, what's the site where you post new things that you make? Not TechCrunch. Hack product hunt. Product Hunt, yes, thank you. Uh, if you post this on Product Hunt, like, it's going to get so many upvotes and people are going to be so excited about it. Um, this is also, with, with GPT-3 opening up, this is going to be a type of product that I think we're going to see flooding the market. Um, I think my main concern with this business is like, what I'm hearing so far is that you've come up with a cool idea for a cool thing to do with AI. What I'm not hearing is, I talked to these 10 people who run these blogs and they all said that their main problem is coming up with new ideas for blog posts and you know they they love buying chrome extensions and so the perfect thing to and you know they they would pay a hundred dollars a month for this because they buy similar writing tools uh for that price point uh so that you know 
I'm, I'm not hearing I'm not hearing the problem. I'm hearing like what the tool is, and uh, that's just oh man, a, a mistake that I've made so many times that I'm gonna keep making because I love making <laughs> yeah. stuff and I love <laughs> coming up with shiny new tool ideas. Uh, I think the place where I would nudge you on that is like, do not write any code unless it's just for fun and you're you're writing code <laughs> when you would have been watching Netflix. Uh, the the place that I see pushing this business forward is like you need to be talking to people validating in, in the style of the mom test validating that uh, there is a problem there and if not unearthing some other type of problem you're an incredibly competent coder you could make anything uh, I would imagine in the in the process of talking to like managers of corporate blogs you would probably find lower hanging fruit of a problem that you could solve that was more valuable than coming up with new blog ideas yeah, so partly I explained it a little poorly and partly I pushed on the AI part because we have talked about that. Actually, so it started that way a week ago. And as I was thinking about it, I had the exact same thought process that you just talked about, which is great, like that, good. <laughs> um, what it, what I would position it as actually to customers is actually, I may not even mention AI like on the top, you know, three quarters of the page or something. It's more like you have a company blog. You don't quite know what to post on it in order to get customers in the door. This will analyze your blog and keywords that are like trending right now, other, you know, yeah. like keyword things. And it will sort of tell you where to fill in the gaps. It will tell you like the, the content you need to write in order to get more people in the door. Um, it's a little like Ahrefs or Ahrefs in that way. Mm -hmm. um, they were sort of an inspiration for some of the things that I think would be interesting. Um, but it's also, it's also slightly different. Uh, so yeah, yeah. The, the key is like, you have a company blog, you know, you should be posting something. Here are the things that you need to be posting in order to get more customers in the door. The AI part is uh, is secondary, basically. Okay, okay, that's that's a much more interesting value proposition. You're you're doing keyword analysis. You're you're looking at search volume data. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, that's a thing that I have personally paid for in the past. I think I paid a, a consultant to do this, and he like went on Ahrefs and uh, made me a manual report of a spreadsheet of like here are the blog posts that I would make um, and I think I paid like $500 for that uh, so yeah that, that intuitively feels like a much more viable business uh, I, I think I would still push you to before writing any code before building anything talk to 10 people in this space like have have phone calls with them get a really clear understanding of uh, who they are and how they phrase the problem and how much they're willing to pay for things. Uh, if, if we're going in this mindset of focusing and like trying to increase revenue, like that's the textbook way to do it. Yeah, that's good because I need that push because that is not my normal inclination. So yeah. Same. I hate it. I love, I just want to write code. I just want to write code all day. <laughs> it's, it's, it was so interesting watching Sabas talk. Like there were so many sim similarities I saw in, you know, he, he, is very uh, uh, he's a, he's a multi-potentialite like interested in all these different things and uh, has a hobby in music and uh, also enjoys coding and the way he was describing what he was doing before starting this company it sounded really similar to like what I've been doing of just he's just having fun and uh, trying a bunch of different things and just sort of following his interests and he he made several important pivots in recognizing okay I have a product I know people are paying for it. I'm never gonna write code again. I'm gonna make this 
I'm going to make my job just focusing on growth. I'm going to listen to every podcast I can about growth, uh, every interview that there has ever been with any head of growth at all the big tech companies. I'm just going to ingest this and completely change the work that I'm doing to be what are the things that are making this product bigger. And my gosh, it worked. But like for me to do that would feel tragic. Like I don't want to be, you know, writing blog posts and uh, answering query posts all day. Like I really get a lot of enjoyment and fulfillment out of having an idea for something and then coding a solution to it. And I just love that process. Um, so that that needs to remain a part of my life. I don't I don't think I'm. I think I could, but I I don't think I want to move as quickly as he did. He's grown a team incredibly fast and he grew revenue incredibly fast. Like I would be perfectly happy with, you know, hitting 20 or 30 MRR over the next three years. That would just be ideal. Uh, and that, that feels like a very sustainable pace. Um, 20K MRR feels more attainable actually. That feels like something that if I just focused a little bit more, I, I could hit like in the next year. Um, so I, I totally get wanting to just do the product, but I think that the, the way to build this business, I'm talking mostly to myself now, like I need to be focused on what are the things actually driving <laughs> growth. Uh, and, and I don't have to spend all my time doing that. It can just be some of the time, but I, I know enough about how these businesses work now to know when I'm doing work that is actually moving the business forward and when I'm doing work that's just fun for me to do. And I would like to be making a little bit more sacrifice of this is better for the business, this is better for the long-term goals of I wanna make more money, and okay, I've put in my two hours for the day on this, and now I can work on a new feature that's just for fun. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. And it, it brought to mind something that, uh, I don't remember who said it, what speaker said it at, at MicroConf, but it was like, um, as developers, we're always, especially developers, trying new things. We're always like going on to the next thing. And so he's like, you know, that didn't work. Go to the next thing. That didn't work. Go to the next thing. That worked. Go to the next thing. And that, and he's like, wait, don't go to the next thing. Like if something works, like do more of that. Um, actually that may have been from a Nathan Berry blog post or something, but, um, yeah. So like if something's working, do, do more of that. Uh, so file inbox is working, whether you think it's boring or not, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, you know, even though it's not a new shiny thing. Yeah, it's not new and shiny, but it's working. So do more of that. Yeah. Where I've been frustrated is I feel like I haven't yet found the marketing channel that's working. SEO sort of works, but I feel like my attention span wasn't long enough to have a feedback loop of that of like, oh, this work I put in actually, you know, that turned into this amount of money. And so, yes, of course, uh, I, I can do that. What ended up happening was like, I at the last microconf, I got really excited about SEO and dove into Ahrefs and took their course and did a bunch of stuff to uh, improve SEO and like made some tutorials and did some things to rank for keywords that I saw that were important. And then after a month, I didn't really notice any change. And then I was like, ah, I'm going to work on six other things instead because that's more exciting. And I am confident that if I had a clear way to see the results from those blog posts that I would see a tremendous uptick because I did notice a few months later, like MRR started going up for the first time in years. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Wonder why that's happening. And I bet it was happening because of those blog posts. And then I just completely <laughs> ignored it. And I've just been sitting yeah. on this trash heap of, of customer support requests that, oh my God, I, I feel so embarrassed that that's still piling up. Uh, and if, if I'm just working more consistently on the things that are actually working, if I can close that loop of, oh, this work that I did was actually successful as a project, um, I, 
I think that's what's gonna drive the business forward. Um, so I like the idea of postmortems. That feels like a tractable way to keep that loop closed. Because if I did that for the SEO project, I think I would have had like a follow-up in six months because that's about how much time it takes to get results from SEO. Uh, and then I, with that check in place, I would have been able to see like, oh, I did this work with this hypothesis and actually the results were five times better than I thought they would be. Ooh, let's double down on this. Let's do five of these at the same time and then check back in another six months. Um, I'm loving the idea of the postmortem, having just like a, a form that I fill out that's really resonating with me. That feels like a solution to a lot of these problems. Cool, yeah. Um, and I, I'll push back a little on uh, the same way you did me, which is I think you're not working on file inbox sometimes for the same reason I don't work on meeting place, which is I think you are scared of the pile of uh, support requests that you get <laughs> or that you have. Yeah. And uh, could be wrong about that, but maybe you need to look at support shepherd. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. you're absolutely right. Uh, I'm scheduled to hire my uh, military wife executive assistant and the, the first job for them is going to be helping me with support emails. And I'm just gonna be really honest to like, look, this is something I haven't totally emotionally unpacked, but I feel really anxious about it. Uh, I, my, my first job for you is help me get to the bottom of this inbox, which as someone coming onto this and being hired, like that's not gonna be emotionally scary. You're not, gonna, this person is not gonna look at this inbox and think like, oh, this is evidence that I'm a piece of shit. They're going to be looking at, oh, okay, this is a this is a new job, and you know this person seems mostly competent in other ways, but uh, is hiring me to solve a specific problem. Uh, they're so th they're going to help me get to the bottom of that inbox, and will have generated SOPs that then I can give to Support Shepherd and say, okay, we have a standard procedure for all these things now. Um, I I can now be only spending five hundred dollars a month to never to never have to think about this again, and now now I've my military wife, personal assistant, moves on to the next thing and uh, whatever the next product is that I'm feeling anxious about, which hopefully looks like something like marketing. Uh, so circling back around, yes, I agree. Uh, that has been a big source of anxiety in this business. And if I can solve it, which I feel like I'm making meaningful stuff to, to be doing, that feels like it would be uh, measurably pushing the business forward. Yeah, that's great. Um... I'm very excited to see how your VA turns out. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, this feels what like else? I we think have I have to write a postmortem about. Oh, go I'm ahead. Gonna, I'm going to have a hypothesis for what I think having the VA yes. is going to look like and what success looks like. Oh, good. Yes. Oh, I'm going to make a little template. <laughs> I might spin up a, a Firebase app or something to keep track of these. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to make, make a blog post. It's uh, <laughs> a focus, Christian. Come on. You, you can do this. Um, Cool. That's right. Ne next time, next time I will ask you about it. So uh, yeah, do it because I'm going to ask you. And I'm going to show you the postmortem. I'm going to I'm going to have clearly specified like, this is the time frame. This is my hypothesis. This is what success would look like. This is what failure would look like. Uh, that that. Is there anything else I should be asking? What else would be useful in a in a postmortem that feels like all I would need? Um, postmortems are pretty. They're a pretty typical thing done, especially with engineering teams. So maybe look up a couple blog posts about there. Th those are the four questions I remember being on them. But um, yeah, maybe just peruse a couple blog posts to see if anything sticks out. Cool. I'll do that. Um, 
there were a handful of other things I wanted to talk to you about of things that happened at MicroConf Europe. How are we doing on time? Oh, we, we eight minutes. I can, I can cover this. Um, I was having a conversation with Saba after his talk, just sort of starstruck of like, oh my God, this, this dude's making $6 million a year <laughs> and his trajectory is just going up. And I told him about, about uh, File Inbox and his eyes lit up and he was like, oh, I have so many ideas for how I would grow that. And I was like, oh, please. And I took out my phone and like was ready for, for taking notes. Um, and the first thing he said was uh, focus on file conversions because he's living in this world of hrefs and looking at search volumes. And uh, he apparently at one point like hired the, the someone from the team at uh, WeTransfer, uh, so knows a little bit about this space also. Um, and so he, he was saying that file conversions were a huge source of uh, traffic. So I think what that project might look like is I go on Ahrefs, I look for, I, I look to verify the, the amount of traffic coming in for, you know, I imagine it's something like convert a doc to a PDF. Um, and then I'm going to make my postmortem thing of like, I think if I build this feature and make this blog post after four months, it'll have this much traffic and will lead to about this many leads. Uh, and then I do it, and then I wait four months, and then I see what happens. Uh, I think I'm feeling a little bit cautious that that feels tangential to the business. That feels like it's a another product. Um, it I could see that being another feature of it, and I could see there being a lot of value in having a, a landing page that's like this. The, this landing page delivers you the value of converting the document, and also maybe put you into this funnel of, if you need to send or receive documents, I, I help you do that. And I've, I've I don't know, maybe, maybe I make you make an account also, or uh, it, it's an opportunity for me to advertise other things that File Inbox is doing. I don't know that I could charge for just file conversions. Uh, what's your hot take on that? Yeah, I would uh, probably say, so it does sound a little bit like another sort of product or a branch of the product. Um, I would say exactly what you told me, which is try to find 10 people you can talk to that need file conversions and see what they need, uh, <laughs> see how it's different or similar. Um, yeah, that's what, that's what I would do. That has never come up in any conversation I've had with the customers that I have. I think it's a cool idea, but I'm going to table it. Um, I think the general idea of focusing on search volume and doubling down on those things makes sense. I remember the last time I dove into that, uh, something that came up was uh, Google searches for sending files is an order or two magnitude higher than the search results for receiving files. Um, and I saw WeTransfer had taken out a bunch of paid ads. They were paying like something ridiculous, like like two to four dollars per click for. So that, that seems really valuable and that seems much closer to what the core value is. Um, and I can imagine a, a much clearer flow of like, it wouldn't be that difficult to make file inbox send and receive files. It's just, if you want to send a file, I have one extra step of, oh, hey, someone sent you files. If you recognize this and it's not spam, here's a link to create an account. And if I already have an account associated with this email address, it, it just goes through the, the regular workflow. Um, okay, and I, I'd, I'd like to make a postmortem on that too of like, I feel like this shouldn't be a postmortem. It's like a, it's like a template report for <laughs> what I expect the feature to be, uh, but I'll keep calling it a postmortem for the purpose of this conversation. Okay, that, that's clarifying. Sure. 
What else did you have, Satham? You mentioned a few points. I was struck by how quickly Veed grew. It seemed unusual that it was growing so fast. Uh, we're, we're two years in and it's making $6 million a year. And yes, I think Saba got a lot of things correct, uh, but it, it seems like that's more of an industry trend that like having a web-based video editor is uh, currently an underserved market that has a, a lot of people who need it because video is such an effective medium. That's the thing that, that social media platforms want more of. That's what they're trying to optimize for. That's what they've figured out captures the most human attention and traditional video editors are really difficult to use and i think there's a lot of people who are trying to create a video product that don't know anything about video editing that don't have time to become a professional video editor and certainly don't want to have to learn final cut pro that feels like clips.marketing i'm just getting a lot of positive signals from uh that the only two people i've had conversations with where i asked them for money at the end of it immediately agreed to pay me a hundred dollars a month for it um, so oh, you, have a, I, you have a new customer, a second customer. Uh, oh, did I not tell you about that? Yeah. Yeah. Who signed up for two licenses. I'm still not no. actually charging them money, but he was like, yeah, it's like send me the page where I can pay you money. I don't want to give you my credit card over, uh, over the phone, but, uh, he's going to sign up for himself and for his, uh, agency that he works for. Uh, so I sort of have the promise of three paying customers. Uh, it, it's been crazy bumping around Europe, uh, so I, I haven't been able to like just do the Stripe integration to, to charge. But theoretically, as soon as I do that, I, I am at $300 uh, MRR on that product. Um, this also feels like it could be a distraction. I don't want to suffer from shiny object syndrome, but this is something that I'm much more excited about than File Inbox. I think the answer is I want to be doing both and nothing else. Uh, I, I think I want to do like, I don't know, maybe every other day I'm focused on a different project. And on File Inbox, I'm focused mostly on marketing. And on Clips.Marketing, I'm focused on polishing a handful of things left in the product and then uh, talking to customers, getting everyone from the, the pre-sale email list onboarded one at a time. Um, but that seeing how quickly V grew just reinforced for me, like, ooh, there, there's really something here in this market. This, this feels like a, a, a valuable place to be investing time. Um, yeah, that's. I don't really have a question in there or need a hot take, but that, that, an update on uh, how I'm feeling about Clipstar marketing. Yeah, yeah. If you got two or two and a half, three, whatever uh, people to pay you a hundred bucks a month, like sort of casually, it sounds yeah. like, uh, do more of that. That is something yeah. that's working. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Good. I will. Um, what else? Um, uh, getting file inbox and app stores is a thing that came up a few times in microconf that, that feels like another project, uh, to make a postmortem template of, uh, I think the hypothesis there would be, uh, I, for a relatively small investment of time, I could open myself up to a much higher source of traffic through the app store. And then also, uh, I, I can make a new page that's like, oh, you're trying to receive files on your WordPress site. Here's exactly how to do that. Here's a link to the, the store in the app store for WordPress. It's a, it's a one-click install. Um, I, think, I think when I next talk to you, I want, I want to give you a menu of these post-mortem things, that these, these experiments 
Uh, I think I want to call them experiments. I'm, I'm going to call them experiments. I want to give you a menu of experiments that's like, here are three things I think I could do for File Inbox. Here's my hypothesis. Here's the work that it would be. Here's what success would look like. Here's what failure would look like. Uh, you pick which one I do for the next week, and uh, then I'll report back as to what the results were when the, the thing pops. Uh, so one of those is going to be getting File Inbox and App Stores. Um, one of those is going to be uh, sending and receiving files. Uh, and I'll, I'll think of a third one before we talk next. Okay. Sounds great. Yeah. Cool. I'll do that. One last thing that just felt good, felt like a win. I gave a talk, an attendee talk at MicroConf that went so well. I was really nervous about it for the days leading up to it and especially the morning of. And uh, I talked about why video is important and, and why I think everyone should be making more video and uh, how it's easier than you think it is and how it's uh, a higher ROI than you might think it is. Uh, and people came up to me afterwards and were like, oh, that was a great talk. Like, uh, you, you convinced me I'm going to make more video. And, oh, I have this question about this thing. Or, nice. Uh, ah, you, you could have included this information. And, yeah, it, just, it felt really good. Uh, felt like a, a win in the community. I felt like I, I genuinely, like, helped other people push their businesses forward. And I liked that a lot. Yeah, cool. That, yeah, sounds awesome. Cool. Chris, that's all I got. That's all I got, too. Then I will see you next week. Dovigenia. Bye.